Hello, I'm Sarah Connolly and you may have heard Dan and I talking about our favourite race moments of the year but I really wanted to talk about this with someone who is more of a backstage person at races. So today I'm talking to Sean Robinson. I hope you know him from his fantastic photos that him and Ballant Hambas make on the VeloFocus site. Sean, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. It's good to speak to you. So tell me, how has 2017 been for you? It felt really busy (laughs) (laughs) now been at home for a bit after last race was the beginning of october and still the novelty of my own bed hasn't worn off (laughs) (laughs) but yeah on the whole it's been really good i guess in one way it's been really busy because this spring the spring classic season for example was much more busy than it's been for the last couple of years yeah the racing especially in the spring it just feels relentless because it's one day and then there's a race the next day and then you get a gap of a day and you're permanently hopping across from belgium to holland to italy and back again and after the break of the close season you're suddenly just thrown straight back into it yeah I mean, it's going to get worse next year as well, isn't it? Because of the uh, increase in the number of classics again. Yeah, there's a couple of extra races. um, But generally, it's quite a similar programme that we're going to do next year. Mm -hmm. We've switched about a couple of smaller races for the new Big World Tours. It's largely the same, just with a couple of smaller races removed and Mm -hmm. some profile events added in. Excellent. You and Balin have together seen the peloton from a particularly unique view and especially because as well as taking photos for your own site velofocus you also take photos for teams before and after the races so you're up close and personal all the time aren't you yeah we shoot for four teams uh well five really (laughs) (laughs) but primarily we shoot for four teams um so obviously we do find that we're getting closer to those than the rest of the peloton but we try to cover everybody yeah paints a wider picture of the peloton and it's not just lots of photos of the teams we shoot for yeah 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 let's talk 2017 how would you describe the season is my first question what's it been like and i guess i'm looking for things that are different good or bad well certainly the spring was really unpredictable Mm -hmm. compared with say 2016 and even 2015 you were turning up to races going there's 20 people who could win today (laughs) (laughs) maybe even 30 yeah rather than the previous year where it had been hey bulls have won again (laughs) admittedly it was with a different rider virtually every time but there was a very common theme there which just didn't seem to exist this year there was a lot more parity between the teams i think yeah, we had particularly nice weather this this spring. Do you think that made a difference? A little, but I'm not sure it was a huge factor mm-hmm. as the, the year before hadn't been particularly horrible either. Yet it was nice and warm and we didn't get wet too many times, <laughs> although it was soaked as dry to be angry. But other than that, it's it was a factor and it probably meant you had larger groups sometimes coming to the finish than you might have done if there were howling winds, because mm-hmm. that was one thing. There weren't really many days that I can recall where it was really windy. Yeah. Whereas previous years at like Hentworthal again, I've opened my car door and it's nearly been ripped off the hinge. <laughs> <laughs> there, there were no days like that this year. 
Wow. I mean, I guess that's a good thing. No frozen eyeballs as well. I remember the frozen eyeball season, which was particularly nasty. So we had more races, for example. It was the first year we had a full Ardennes week. And we also had longer races. Do you think from your point of view, your very specific point of view, that that changed the racing? Perhaps in the women's tour, more so than most races, Mm -hmm. where there were a lot of long stages and with it being a stage race, they're obviously one day after another. Mm. I think that probably had a bigger bearing in that situation than in a one-day race. But I'd say perhaps the racing feels a bit more conservative in the early stages than in previous years. Yeah. You'll go the first half hour, 40 minutes, and go, I've hardly taken any photos because <laughs> not a lot's happening. Everyone's together. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's always nice to get riders isolated in shots or looking like they're doing something whereas if they're all riding together you know yeah that's just like the photo I took 10 minutes ago (laughs) (laughs) yeah which must be frustrating for you (laughs) yeah especially when all the riders you're trying to shoot are on the other side of the peloton oh curses (laughs) that must be one of those things that's really difficult was it you who said that Cassia Newadoma in the women's tour was almost too nice that she kept waving to you whenever she saw you and smiling and you wanted pictures of her in pain. I'm not sure who it was, but she is generally like that anyway, but she did seem to really make a lot of fans that week, <laughs> loving every minute of it, which, it, you know, it was nice to see as well because she's always there or thereabouts. Yeah. And quite often she's had to get there on her own, Yeah, especially this year so it was see her have a chance in the in the limelight Mm. Mm -hmm. so what have you been your best moments or or I guess I'm talking most memorable so that can be best worst ones that give you shivers ones that just oh god probably one of my most memorable moments where I could even feel myself getting a little bit emotional (laughs) was when Annemiek realized that she'd won the world's TT yeah by that point in Worlds, you've done a lot of time trials with all the junior events and everything else. So I'd wanted to stay quite close to the finish so you get some reaction. And she was just completely overwhelmed. And then just the way she ran to her mum, it was just a really nice moment to witness. Mm-hmm. In terms of other moments that I really liked was after Corinne's two big wins in the spring at Trofeo Binder and um, Flanders. Mm-hmm was how much she was keen to celebrate that with Ellen van Dyke. Yeah. On both occasions. It was a nice thing to see, and they really have a, an obvious close bond together. And it makes really good photos, because one of them's <laughs> tall and one of them's tiny. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like Ellen's got a little puppet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and Ellen was so integral to both those wins, wasn't she? Yeah. Yeah, she was, yeah. She was throughout their year, really. She didn't maybe have as many results for herself, but she did a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, so much work. I mean, I always feel for her. I said this to Dan, that I always feel for her because she's so good at working for other people. I think maybe she doesn't get so many chances for herself because, you know, having Ellen's like having two extra teammates, right? Yeah, she's, you know, incredibly strong. Because, you know, if she was on another team, you know, she'd be team leader in most cases just mm. she's bulls and now somewhere and I guess she likes the support role I don't know you'd have to ask her but yeah 
embrace the wins as much as if she won so yeah she once told me that she doesn't really like riding in the pack and that's why she's on the front kicking it so much because there yeah. aren't so many people riding around her <laughs> <laughs> i mean that's the old emma pooley way right she didn't really yeah. like being riding the pack so she'd attack like a lunatic yeah <laughs> <laughs> what else did you like i guess you get to see a lot more than we do i mean i know what it's like when you go to a race and you can see which teams are confident and feeling good and you can see which teams are like hiding. You know, Bulls Dolmans is famous for hiding, aren't they, before a race? And- yes, different teams have very different approaches. Some it's just a necessity of logistics. You know, if you've got a big team bus, yeah. then don't go and sit outside <laughs> <laughs> on a cold, wet day. Yeah. Typically, you don't see as much of Bulls or Sunweb or even WM3 mm. or. I guess Lara's, as they'll be called now, as you do some of the other teams with smaller budgets, if you like, because they don't have a choice to be cooped up in the bus. Mm. It's outside or in in the car, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) The tight speeds in a camper for six riders and all the support staff. But there are teams who are a lot more open, if you like, Mm. than others. And I think that's as much down to the people you have on the team and the bond that they have between themselves. Yeah. But it's always nice to see those interactions between the riders. Which do you think has been the happiest team this year, just from your point of view? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to ask the other, the other side of that question. I'll only ask the positive side. I think it goes in waves and it tends to obviously follow success. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Bulls were obviously targeting Ardennes week so they were a lot quieter if you like in the early part of the season Mm -hmm. and then you really start to see them come together then from Ardennes week onwards. I think you told me that for example the interactions between the riders at the Ovo Energy Women's Tour and the the women who'd given them the pink ribbons for breast cancer care was quite an interesting one. Yeah um, really stuck out was each of the riders was given a, a ribbon during that race from breast cancer care, and each ribbon had a note on it written by people who survived breast cancer, I believe. Mm-hmm. I think virtually every rider was wearing them, either in their hair or they'd tied them to their bike or what have you. But long after the women's tour had finished, I'd still see pink ribbons on some of the riders before each race. Wow. Where they were still pinning them to their bike three four months down the road yeah so it was quite nice to see how they'd embrace that initiative yeah cassie and Uadoma, i think that's one of the reasons why people fell in love with her for her win right people who didn't know her um, beforehand fell in love with her a little bit because she was so you know always good about making sure the pink ribbons in view and you know talking about the inspiration it gave her and things like that yeah that's right i, I must admit on the first day i didn't realize about the pink ribbon thing mm-hmm in the whirlwind of pre-race, kind of sometimes things just pass you by. And I remember being at the finish line, she was coming up solo, and she started wringing the plait in her hair like it was a bell or something. <laughs> <laughs> what is she doing? <laughs> uh, and then obviously I found out afterwards uh, about the campaign. Yeah. And I mean, that sort of thing for a rider to do from a race point of view, but also from a photographer point of view, it's pretty gold, right? You you want something that you can hang a hook onto. And that's... It is, yeah. Sometimes a race finish, if it's 
a tight sprint or something, you don't get the celebration. Mm. And it's just a mass of people looking down. And it's not a particularly interesting shot. Yeah. When there are those secondary stories, if you like, it's always it always helps with the photos. Yeah, I, I think the one for me was Lucinda Brand crossing the finish line in the Giro stage that she won with the blood still trickling down her arm. I wasn't sure what had happened because Balin had gone to the finish that day and I'd been abandoned on one of the hillsides <laughs> in, in the final um, 20 kilometres or something. Uh-huh. It was one of them where I'm not going to get back, so there's no point. Come and pick me up after the race. So I didn't see it. I just saw her rushing around the corner chasing after... Oh, was it real Chenko? Yeah. was solo at that point. And then just saw balance pictures afterwards and was like, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> Some of her favourite moments, probably from the Giro as well, was uh, Shayla Gutierrez's win. Oh, so good. We've been shooting for Silence well, since they came on the scene. So it's the second year. So we'd obviously kept an eye out for Shayla in races. Mm-hmm. And last year, she was always there or thereabouts and almost making it into getting a a good finishing position. But it just never seemed to quite come off. Mm. And it just seemed to really turn around this year. And you could see kind of the joy and relief as well in getting that first victory. And it kind of really helps their confidence, I guess. Yeah. You start to see it in their performances then going forward. Yeah. It's quite a special thing to see. There's something special about following a rider who you've been following since they were a development rider. And I feel a bit like that about riders who I've, the juniors who I've seen on the Healthy Aging Tour, the Energy Walk Tour, because I was doing this, you know, doing this social media for them. You're around the riders a lot, right? And then to see those young riders like Pernilla Matteson, you know, I remember her winning the whole thing, but all of the young riders who've, you know, Susanna Anderson is another one who've, watching them take that step, it's just, I don't know, it feels like they're, you know, like you're seeing a relation or something. <laughs> you, you, do, you do, you start to feel invested in some of the riders' successes. Not that we have anything to do with it, but you yeah. kind of, you see them struggle and have good days and bad days. Yeah. And when they get that breakthrough, you can't help but feel happy for them. Yeah. Yeah, there's something about a rider who, especially someone who's struggled. I really liked Amelia Muberg's Healthy Aging Tour, yeah. for example, because it just meant so much to her. It's it's always nice when there's new riders who win. Yeah. That Giro must have been really interesting because there were so many riders who won their first Giro stage. I mean, Marta Bastianelli and Jolene Dora, and I think Lotte Lepisto won her first yeah, station. Is that fun for you too, or does it just make yeah. it harder because you don't know who's going to win? <laughs> Who should I focus on? <laughs> there, there are some points where you're like, I haven't got a clue what's going to happen, and then they'll fan out across the road for the sprint, and you're like, No, I can't fit you all in the shot. <laughs> and because you're looking through the telephoto lens, all the distances are compressed, and you're just yeah. going. Sometimes you just have to hit your finger on the shutter and just hope you get somebody. Yeah, I think, I think Ballant had a shot which had a really beautiful depth of field and I was complimenting him on it afterwards and he was like, it was the only one that worked. <laughs> it is quite often like that. I think uh, Hem Webblegem was just like that where it was a photo finish between Lotta and Yolene mm-hmm. and neither of them knew who'd won. 
and I could see them coming towards the finish and Lotta was quite central in my frame and Jolene was out by the barriers and she just wasn't even on my radar. <laughs> <laughs> but luckily they were both in my finish line shot <laughs> out of the, the 10 that I took. Yeah. And they were both reasonably placed. But I just remember afterwards everyone regrouped. So all the Savello girls got together and all the Wiggle girls were together and everyone was going, so who won? Yolene's going, I think I won. And Lotta's like, I think I won. And like, oh, I, I don't know. And they're just shrugging and waiting for what felt like forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first moment in a team car and they don't tell you who wins. Okay. When you're on race radio quite a lot of the time. So it just goes <laughs> race radio, race radio, race radio. <gasps> and nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, oh, shit. So it's like, you know, if you're ever in a team car, dear listener, you get out and you hoon it to the finish. Yeah, there are occasions sometimes where I have fought somebody at one and you go running up, trying to chase them down to get some celebration photos. Mm. And then you get there and you think, did they win? <laughs> you look at the photo and go, ah. <laughs> <laughs> go find somebody else. <laughs> it must be hard as well, though, when you, like, I think you and Balint working together, we've talked about this before, about it gives you more of an opportunity that maybe one of you can be at the finish and one of you can be kind of further back so you can get reaction shots. One of you can be on that climb that is 20k from the finish and the other one can be at the finish line so you can share that. Does it make a difference? Um, yeah, it's days when you we're working together as a team because there's some days where just one of us will do the race. But when there's two of you at a race, it definitely makes it easier. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you have more photo opportunities and we can play about at the finish in terms of only one of us needs the finish line shot. So, like you say, we can go and do celebrations or the final corner or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. And it takes that pressure off, I guess, that you know that there's, that there's always someone there. Yeah. And you, you can experiment a bit more. You know, if you're only going to see them eight times, ten times in a race, and you know you need to get this rider and this rider and this rider and this rider, as well as everyone else in general, you can't experiment as much with yeah. the shots because you have to be sure that I'm going to get a photo of yeah. Lotta or mm. Lee or whoever it might be. Whereas if there's two of you, you're like, wow, it's fine because if I mess it up, I'm sure Balin's somewhere taking another photo. <laughs> Do you keep in contact during the race and say, shit, I've missed all of Cervello? can you make sure you get them this time? The bastards are all on the wrong side of the road. <laughs> yeah, occasionally, but we tend to plan it more ahead of time. Right. So usually if we're both at a race, one of us will be on the motorbike and the other one will be yeah. in the car. So we don't really communicate during that time. Right, right, right. Because you're on the motor or you're driving. Yeah. Yeah. So it's generally, it's planned in advance, mm -hmm. but there are occasions where we go, I'm sure you were doing the finish line. <laughs> And there's just that creeping, nagging doubt that we're <laughs> both not going to be there. Have you ever uh, missed it? We've never missed it because of that. I have missed the finish. <laughs> <laughs> Due to no fault of my own. Yeah. But very rarely. Yeah. I missed one this year, but luckily hardly anyone was there. It was one of the Italian races at the end yeah. of the year. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it can be hard, can't it? The road closures, you know, you can guess which roads are going to be closed because of the race, but sometimes getting from A to B is just impossible. 
it is. You try and plan it ahead of time, but there's always someone who throws a spanner in the works. Yeah. For yeah, instance, yeah. at that race, they shut the road with 5K to go an hour before the race got there. Oh, no. Because they'd said, yeah, you'll be able to go along and park there and you'll just have to run up the final 400 metres. Yeah. And you just couldn't get down the road. So the only option was to go back into Bologna, round the ring road. And you just, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But generally, you know, we're doing the same races all the time. So you get to know the shortcuts and where you can park and everything else. Yeah. So is it good for you? Because I know that, like, for example, the Bowls Tour, they've tried to vary their course this year, go to different places and stuff, or the Ovo Tour. Is it good or is it bad when they vary? (laughs) I mean, or is it just both? Is it both at the same time? Like, you know, annoying because you don't have that insider information, but good because it's new shots. It's always good because it's new shots. Right. (laughs) Every single time. (laughs) Right. Sometimes the races get quite difficult because whilst we take a lot of pictures, you can't help but remember the photos you took yeah and you might find yourself going back to the same spot yeah and probably nobody else is going to remember that you were there before yeah but I remember (laughs) (laughs) and I don't like it yeah how can I shoot this differently yeah you know the Vanberg is probably the best example of that yeah I must have shot them coming over the Vanberg 40 times I guess in the last five or six years over the weekends I have no idea (laughs) there are a couple of photographers who seem to go the opposite way who go to the same place every year and who stick together so that they have the same shots as each other one of the reasons I really adore your photos you and Balan both is that you I feel like you've been pushing the envelope and pushing the bar in terms of trying to make the photographs of the sport better? Um, yeah, it's it's not always possible to be in a different spot. Sometimes it's just that's the only place you can stand. Yeah. Finish a, pre, a prime example of that. Yeah. But generally, if we do see a bunch of other photographers all together, it's, well, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just because what's the point? They're already there. Yeah, yeah. And I guess it's also that thing about, I mean, even if you just go on the other side of the road, right? Like, it's, 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 except then you get the situation I was in this year where you get caught by the convoy and you have to wait for someone nice like Manella Camera to like slow down and let you cross the roads. Yeah, you know, quite often you'd go, well, I'm going to go over here because it's just, it's not the same. Yeah. But, and then, like you say, you get stuck then for forever. <laughs> I've always wondered how you cope with a race like Chongming Island. Because I guess when you're in a race that's varying over a huge, huge space, then that's that's different, isn't it? Like, you know, it's going from A to B and it's going in a pretty much straight line down over yeah. 140 kilometres. But Chongming, it's a tiny island. How do you deal yeah. with something like that? Well, the, the island's actually, it's pretty big. It's a big island. It's just, it's all very similar. It's 80 kilometres across by, I think it's 18 kilometres. So, yeah. yeah, so it's big. It's big for walking around, but when you're putting three stages of a race on it. Yeah, you know, it, it's only three days long, isn't it? Mm. And the finish is the same every single day. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, it's this big, wide boulevard. But um, generally, at that point of the season, you've spent so much time in Belgium that you're just like, wow, it's something new. <laughs> It looks yeah. different. All the Belgian races, it's basically the same 10 hills, just in a different order each time. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Yeah, when we talk about small countries, Belgium is also, you know, Belgium's not the biggest country in the world anyway, but then cycling Belgium is specific parts of them, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Like, yeah, the Paterberg again. <laughs> <laughs> and what, I mean, what's it like when it's like a crit-like day? I mean, I know they're not, we're not supposed to have crits in days, but I think about, you know, Madrid Challenge or Ride London or the London stage of the OVO Women's Tour. Are those challenging or are those actually easier because you can walk from corner to corner and get a lot of different shots? They're really easy to shoot, but not always very interesting. Right. Madrid would go down as my least favourite race right. of the year. We were going through the list of races of who was covering what for next year, and I'm still trying to convince Balin that he should do Madrid. <laughs> if he's listening, it's a brilliant race. You should go. <laughs> um, <laughs> but... In truth, it's it's not even a race, Madrid. Mm. It's just a procession. Yeah. And it, it's a real afterthought. And I'd be happy if it wasn't there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess with London, for example, because they've got the technical elements, you know, the hot dog corners, it makes the race speed up and slow down, right? And you have landmarks as well. Yeah. Whereas in Madrid, there's... Very little to see. It's kind of a three-pointed star shape, so yeah. no yeah. break ever gets away because you can see them permanently. Yeah, it's fifteen laps with the only corners at the far extremes of the circuit. Yeah, and they're really wide roads, aren't they? Like the yeah. London ones, you have to slow down through because you don't want to die, or you have to be at the front because you don't want to get caught behind a crash. Whereas the Madrid ones, you're <laughs> completely fine. <laughs> There aren't the 180-degree turns at the end, but they're really big and wide. There's no danger of you getting cut off, really. Yeah. And there's no people. Right. It's so early in the day that there's just nobody there. Right. Which is quite sad, really. Yeah, because, I mean, I guess at least with London, because they've had the the free ride, the open access ride, there's stacks of people kind of just hanging around. And also just because of where it is. Yeah, usually attracts a good crowd probably yeah. suffer a bit with the weather this year but mm. generally it's very well supported yeah yeah when we're on the subject of uh races that maybe aren't your favorite the giro is notoriously difficult but i noticed i think it was on your blog or on one of your tweets where one of you was posting that the road book was just completely wrong yeah it's a, it's a common occurrence of the giro but yeah. this year seemed worse than usual yeah. Can you just explain a little bit about what that's like? It's so frustrating. Because <laughs> <laughs> you do a lot of work in advance. I mean, you started off as a fan and you yeah. were famous for your fantastic, realistic road profiles. And for years, riders would use your profiles of the Giro and your maps of the Giro over the road book because they were accurate. <laughs> yeah, for, for all the races, I map the courses mm. and try to pick out the points that I want to go to and look at them on street view and everything else. But to be honest at the Giro, it's not worth it. Yeah. I still do it. <laughs> so I feel like I've upheld my part of the bargain in terms of my research and preparation, but it's as wrong as often as it's, as it's right. Yeah. And it's incredibly frustrating and there's no excuse for it, to be yeah. honest. I mean, I joke about it, but it's not a joking matter about the additional 20 kilometres or the surprise hill or yeah. know, blah, blah, blah. But I can imagine that when your job is taking photos and you're on a completely different road to where the peloton are, 
that has real life implications. And of course, it has real life implications for the riders. There have been occasions where I've found a spot and I've got there pretty early and I'm sitting there waiting. And then I hear the sirens in the background and they've gone a longer road that's parallel to the one I'm on. Oh, bloody hell. Or you're going, oh, there's this really pretty village that they're going to ride through. We'll go there and you're on the course ahead of the race. And you go, well, they should have turned right there, according to the road book. And they come in from the village from the other direction. So, you know, the pretty church or whatever it might be is now behind you in your shop. It was going to be yeah. the back. And you just have to roll with it. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's equally frustrating as well. Yeah. But you had some other good moments, didn't you, at the Giro? Didn't you say that, um, especially shooting Cervelo after Ash Mulman left? Sadly, Ash had left early on in the race. And it was just a pleasure to see how Cecily stepped up mm. into the role of team leader. Yeah. You know, not wanting to be patronising, but it's really easy to forget how young she is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was her first Giro, and she became the focus of the team and working towards, you know, ultimately winning the white jersey. Yeah. But she just takes it all in her stride. Yeah. It's like nothing phases her whatsoever. It appears anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not just that she's young, it's that she was racing part time. You know, she and Amelia Diedrichson are the same like academic year and she was racing part time while she finished her studies, wasn't she? Cecilia. Uh, I believe so, yeah. Cecily Utrup. Ludwig. But so she's not even had the experience of being, you know, full time around the sport until she's had this step up. So yeah, that's it. You know, I, I remember seeing her occasionally last year when she was with BMS. Mm. But kind of this year, even at the start of the year when she got the UCI youth jersey, mm. at she seemed a little bit overwhelmed that it had actually happened to her at that point in time, which was quite sweet to see. Yeah. But then she just took the whole season in Astrada as if she'd been there forever. It was at their team camp before the start of the season and they're all sitting down for dinner and she's right in the middle of the group and you'd think she was the rider who'd been there you know her whole time and not that it was her first time meeting some of these people yeah yeah I guess for the Danes especially winning the world championships Cecilie being so integral to Amelia's win as well that must have given her confidence. Like she wasn't going into Cervelo as a as a no one, was she? She was going into no. Cervelo as someone who had something really to be proud of. Yeah, definitely. And you know, she's gone on from strength to strength. It'll be interesting to see how far she goes. Yeah. Who else is on your list of riders to to watch next year? And that can be up and coming riders, but it can also be riders who've changed teams or riders who you've just got a feeling about. Um. Maybe Anne Lippert and Juliette Lebu at Sunweb. Oh, Juliette Lebu for her first se- full season. Juliette Lebu was at the end of races as her first season as an elite. I should say she had a fantastic junior season. She was at the end of races where I was really surprised to see her there. Wasn't you know? She yeah, was just great. Yeah, she she featured in one of my favourite days of racing this year to follow, which was the second stage of the Tour of California. Mm-hmm. And there was a big mountain climb kind of in the final third. And she went on the attack from the beginning and was just solo. And the gap just getting bigger and bigger to the point where I was like, 
I can't really go back to shoot the others because <laughs> the gap's getting too big. Yeah. It was a big stage and she just went, yeah, I'm going to go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh. you just really find yourself rooting for them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which were your other best the best days to follow this year? Um, the stage two of the Tour of California was my favourite day. I also enjoyed the Ardennes week. Mm-hmm. Not so much for the racing, just the growing story of Cassia just trying to do her best to try and break balls. Wasn't quite successful. Well, she was on the podium, but you know mm-hmm. when you go against Lizzie and Anna, yeah, you're on a hiding to nothing, really. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be interesting to see her next year when she's moved to Canyon. Maybe she'll have a little bit more support. Mm-hmm. And it'll be interesting to see how those races play out. Yeah. Especially with assuming Amy Elusive gets back after her injuries. She was out for most of the year. It'll yeah. be like a new rider to support her. Yeah, and back seeing Paulina Fran Prevost and Cassia Nuadoma racing together again after like they did in Rabo. Like I know that Cassia's yeah. said on Twitter that she's really excited about that. And if you know, we saw a little bit of the old Pauline Fran-Provoe at Plouet, didn't we? With that yeah. incredible duel with Lizzie Danon. And those two together could be just phenomenal. It could be a real challenge for Bulls. Yeah. Especially over that latter part of the spring around Ardennes week. Yeah. I, I guess we touched on it earlier, but it's going to be t- more tiring for you having the full cobbled week and then having the full Ardennes week for the, you know, for the first time. It's not too bad for us, really. I do virtually all of the spring up until Flanders mm-hmm. and because Balance doing the cyclocross he comes in at Flanders yeah and he'll do the healthy aging tour so I get a little bit of a break then also with there being two of us you get to have a little bit of downtime during the season yeah, yeah. rather than the slog of one race after another yeah you can get to a little block where you're just going I'm going to stay at home this week <laughs> <laughs> Was this a problem for you guys with the French races disappearing? Um, no, not really, because nobody did them. <laughs> right, right. So they're not on your team, so they're not races you have to go to. Yeah, they were never really on our radar, really. Yeah. I couldn't speak for everyone, but there's not been a lot of interest in them. No, I mean, I, I'm not surprised. You know, Route de France, Trophée d'Or it's a shame there's not more French racing and I will always want more races in France, especially because the parkour are spectacular, right? And France is such a homeland of cycling. But it's can't imagine a big team will be putting them on the list this year either because the chance of them not happening are quite high, right? Yeah, and there's clashing with other races. Yeah. I guess Ladesh might get a few more people than usual. Yeah. Just with Worlds being super hilly again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... Yeah, the the French races, it's odd. We cover all these races, but do very little in France. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, is considered a heartland of cycling on the men's side. Yeah. Whereas for us, we do La Course and Plouet. Yeah. I think that's it, yeah. Wow. Yeah, and I mean, it's the same with Spain, isn't it? Like, when you think of the Vuelta, the importance of the Vuelta in men's cycling, and then it's kind of like, we have Bira, which is fantastic that that's getting protection, but being in World Tour. But this year, Bira really suffered didn't it because of only two big teams going there really i'm not sure what will happen this year with it overlapping with the tour of california yeah the tour of california is down by one day though isn't it so it's and they lost one of the good days yeah yeah it's like no drop one of the stages in sacramento and have the beautiful days in lake tahoe but yeah 
I understand why they did it, but yeah. I don't like it. <laughs> no. If you had a manifesto, if I was going to like make my manifesto about how to make cycling better, from your point of view as a cycling media person, what would you do to improve women's cycling? Um, there's a big disparity between the professionalism of race organisers. Yeah. You know, some are obviously run by volunteers and others have full-time employees and what have you. But the difference is just like night and day. Yeah. And that's one of the most frustrating things for us from the media side is where you can have a race like the women's tour where all the information is there. Yeah. You apply for the accreditation and they reply to say that they've received it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, basic stuff like that. Sometimes we invest a lot of money going to a race and we'll have filled in all the forms and you get no information about where do you go to pick up accreditation? When is it open? Even races like Madrid Challenge, we had to ring the press office and go, where and when can we pick up accreditation? Yeah. The information is just not there. And it's really simple stuff. Yeah. And I think that's the interesting thing is the races that I've found difficult aren't necessarily the races run by volunteers. Like, I mean, you know, you hear about La Course, the second day, the chase, where there weren't toilets for the women and they were given shiwis. Yeah. And told to go in the men's toilets. Apparently Lizzie Danan couldn't go to the loo because the loos were only for the media centre and she didn't have a media centre badge. And that's the ASO. Well, I was fine there because I'm a man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and our hotel was just around the corner. So yeah. The, the levels of organisation just vary wildly. Yeah. And a lot of it is just really simple stuff. Yeah. That doesn't cost any money. It just requires somebody to think about it yeah i'd love it if there was a feedback form after races Ooh, what was good and what was bad yeah and stuff like that there's only a couple of races i can think of where they've asked after a race you know just informally it's not been a yeah i bet that's the women's tour it's the women's tour and elsie Jacobs. right yeah and i think that was it yeah, and Elsie Jacobs is run by volunteers, right? My my Elsie Jacobs experience, my one Elsie Jacobs experience was just completely seamless and lovely. Yeah. And they're run by volunteers. Yeah. So, you know, it can be done. Yeah. So I think just a lot of sharing the information about what works and what doesn't work well. Yeah. There's no feedback in that loop, so it doesn't feel like it gets any better. Does the UCI ask you? No, but we're not really in a position for that i guess right are there ways to feedback via teams or do you think teams are exactly the same that no one's asking the teams either? No, no, I, i'm sure we could feedback to them and go this is what was really good and this is what yeah. was bad but i think maybe some formal procedure would be good yeah i mean i think about flanders classics and they have that sign on the one-stop shop sign on thing they've got all your e- email addresses they just send out a form saying hey how did we do yeah, it is, you know. That Flanders, would be nice. Flanders Classics are brilliant for processing accreditation. It's all in one place. You make a profile and you go, I'm going to this race, this one, this one, and this one. And off it goes. Whereas others, you're like, oh, I've got to try and find their website. Where's the form? Oh, there isn't one. Yeah. And then you find an email address and you email it and you just get a bounce back. Yeah. Say it can't be delivered. And you're just like, oh, why is it so hard? Yeah. <laughs> 
do the calendar changes affect you because i know that one of the problems for teams is that you know race is coming late on the chat calendar there's no like one-stop shop email from the uci saying oh by the way these races have changed they're now 1.1 or this race is actually happening now and stuff like that are you told by your teams like when a race becomes more important or um no so at, at this, when the calendar comes out at worlds usually the week after worlds we'll yeah. go for it and go this is what we're gonna do right and then we'll tweak it a little bit here and there you know, we'll send it to the teams we work with. Again, this is what we're thinking of doing. Are there any glaring emissions? Yeah. <laughs> Effectively. But we do all the world tour races, so yeah. generally. What happens about things like Guangxi? Because, you know, the tour of Guangxi came on very late in the year. They invited me out there, Jesus Christ. Um, like, is that difficult? Or if a race comes on late to the calendar, you just tell your team, look, it's out of our plans? Um, yeah, it, it's... Generally, you know, with the exception of the La Course Pursuit TT, or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> the thing. Uh, we pretty much stick to our calendar. Right. We added the Pursuit TT and then kind of wondered why we did when we were there. Yeah. But generally, because we've picked the biggest races, there's not that much fluctuation. Yeah. There's the odd surprise, like when California lost the day and what have you. Mm. And then the races overlap, but because there's two of us, that's not too much of a big deal. We just switch around a little bit what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Probably more of a problem is when we go, yeah, we're going to go to this race, and then nobody turns up. <laughs> you look back at previous years and you go, well, all the big teams went to Borsley. Yeah. And this year, WM3 went, and I think that was about it. Yeah. It was a victim of our end week. Yeah. Yeah. So this year we're going, well, we're not going to do Borsolet. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do something else instead. And hope that it doesn't become like the best race of the year. <laughs> <laughs> but, you, you know, in, in the spring, it's not too much of a big deal because yeah. if there was a new race, it's going to be in Belgium or Holland. Yeah. <laughs> I'm there anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess the real changes in the UCI calendar happen outside of Europe anyway. You know, the races that like... Um, Gatineau, for example, changes quite a lot, like in between the first iteration of the calendar and what's actually raced. You know, it might move forward or back a couple of weeks. And all the races in South and Central America are, yeah. are, are the ones that change. You know, change change a lot. But yeah, it's it's the non-core races that, yeah. with the exception of France, it's non-core racing. Yeah, tends to fluctuate the most. Yeah, will you go to Guangxi next year? Because that extends the season effectively. You make a long season. Yeah. And balance already cyclocross by that point. Yeah, balance is doing cyclocross, so I'll be there and maybe I'll have a little holiday in Vietnam afterwards or something. Yeah, apparently it's beautiful. <laughs> it's a long way to go for one day. Yeah, yeah. It looks really nice, but yeah, it doesn't like the race goes on the really nice bits, which is a shame. But right, right, right. Yeah, and I guess it's also a question about which teams are actually going to bother sending their A team to somewhere after the end of the season as well isn't it it is a long time for people to wait yeah 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 if people want to find you because i really really recommend following the velo focus adventures because the photos are stunning and i still think really bring a new look at the season where do people find you on velofocus.com where they can also buy a book i was going to ask you about your book great christmas present and then we're velofocus on instagram and 
Twitter and Facebook. Excellent. And the book is the annual of the year with writing by people like Anna Maria Rook and it's got your beautiful photos. And while it was kickstarted, you've got copies for people who missed the Kickstarter, haven't you? Yes, we have some copies still available. Well, as we're talking, they're on a lorry somewhere <gasps> on the warehouse. So exciting. And we should start shipping the end of next week. But there are still copies available. So if people want to get one, they can go on to velofocus.com and you can't miss it there. It's a big spot. <laughs> <laughs> and people can pick up your photos. Which are the teams that you've been following this year if people want to see the team-specific work? Because I always like the difference between the photos on Velofocus, which is the race documented, and the photos for a team, which is a specific flavour. Each one's different in terms of whether they had a good day or a yeah. bad day. So they can check out Cervelo Bigler, Canyon Sram, Bulls Dolmans, and Silence Pro Cycling. Yeah, that's a lot of big teams. Well, it makes it easier if you're shooting for the big teams. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's a question there, isn't it? When you're following a big team, there's always going to be a rider at the front, right? But what happens when you're following a small team? you know, the riders are always going to be at the back. Does it make it harder? Or is it just, it doesn't happen to you because your your teams are always in the mix? It's not a coincidence that we pick those. <laughs> <laughs> not that we pick them, they obviously yeah. pick us as well, but you can't afford to be hanging around. For, but teams with budgets for photography have budgets for riders. Yeah. Excellent. So any tips for 2018? If people are like thinking, I can't watch everything, I can't follow everything, what should people look out for? Oh, if you, we're talking about teams, I think they should look out for Canyon Sram. Yeah. I'm not saying that because we work with them, but I think <laughs> it would be an interesting dynamic how Casia coming into that team and what seems to be a resurgent Pauline. Yeah. They could be a real force to be reckoned with. Yeah. Uh, especially the hillier races yeah but then you know there's also been a lot of movement in teams like virtue cycling yeah there's a lot of new riders who've gone into that team yeah and it'll be interesting to see what happens yeah and also with orica how that works with anamik and yolene yeah i mean orica getting not so australian i'm guessing it's yolene for the spring and then anamik takes over for mm. the hill races during the summer. Yeah. Especially as Anamik seems to be racing everything at the minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Track as well. <laughs> so um, I'm guessing she's going to have a holiday at some point. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that would be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah. And one last question. If anyone wants to go to a race, which races would you recommend to them to go roadside to have a really good cycling experience? A really good cycling fan experience, I should say. If you want to go to a race... The Women's Tour is an obvious one, and there's a lot of roadside interaction. But if you want to see the race a lot, something like Drenta or yeah. the Healthy Aging Tour, yeah. if you want to see the race a lot, they're great places to go because it's really easy to get around. Mm. I mean, the Healthy Aging Tour especially, they tend to go through the, the start off and finish a couple of times, right? Tullingen's the same for that. It gets you a lot of racing for your not paying yeah. anything to stand by the side of the road. <laughs> Up in Stad's Canal, where they have the Healthy Aging Tour, the road layouts are all on grid systems, so there's mm. always a parallel road you can drive down. Yeah. 
Well, not always, but mostly. (laughs) And my final, final, final question for anyone who wants to be like Sean and go from being a fan to being an integral part of the racing scene. Do you have any advice? If you're a photographer, take lots of photos. (laughs) (laughs) Practice a lot. Be useful, I guess. Yeah, you have to get a reputation right you were lucky not lucky you made your own luck people knew who you were because of your you know fantastic profiles and right race previews before you started going out and being a photographer so you had that advantage that people you know knew your brand if you like yeah I'm not sure how much that helped it probably did initially for people when I first turned up at races Mm -hmm. in terms of getting photos but I would say probably, yeah, the best thing to do is be nice to people (laughs) (laughs) and be useful and practice a lot. My one tip would probably be to go and shoot your local races and teams first, as traveling to all the top races is really expensive. (laughs) (laughs) So getting your eye in and coming to the party confident in your abilities is a good place to start. Excellent. And who knows, one day they could be... Well, actually, we, we probably shouldn't share too much because they shouldn't be competing with you, right? But, you know, one no. day one day then, they'll be on the roads with you. Then you should go and shoot men's cycling. <laughs> Perfect. Well, good luck. Everyone should buy your book and uh, look forward to watching what you show us for next season. Okay. Thanks very much. Thank you.